You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. All right, welcome into another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast, of course, brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports wagering partner of CLNS Media. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up today. And Matt, we are talking about Super Bowl 58. We'll also get into your mock draft as well. It's mm-hmm. Listen, I forgot. It's, it is Pat Lane with my guy, Matt St. Jean. Matt, we're talking about Super Bowl 58. Mahomes gets his third. <sighs> Yeah, Mahomes gets it. It was a great game. But, like, it's just this is why I didn't want the Chiefs to win because it's <laughs> so we can't even we can't even objectively talk about a really good game. You know, just the worst. Yeah. It's the absolute worst. So, I don't know. I, I just I, I look, I, I just I'm I'm very. I'm very upset about it. I'm not upset about it. I don't really care. It doesn't really matter to me. He's not there yet. We've talked about it. We've talked about it. Me and you have talked about it. Like, he's not there yet. And so, but now it's like, I can't even sit there and we, here, here's, real. you want to know the real issue? We can't even say how good Mahomes was. I can't go, and I've said it a few times. Mahomes is incredible last night. What he's doing is fantastic. He is, in my opinion, Number three on the all-time list right now. He's number three on the all-time list right now. I think you could start to come close to making an argument about, about Montana, but when Brady was there, every single person I talked to said, no, 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 he can't pass Montana until he gets four. Okay? So no. that was the rule. That was the rule back then. Apparently, it's not the rule anymore, but that was the rule back then. Well, and the, the rule back then wasn't that Brady had to get four to, to pass Montana. It was that he had to get four – to like tie Montana. Like it right. wasn't until Super Bowl 51 when Brady had won five of them that people said, all right, he is the he is the greatest now. Yeah. Right. And it, it's, it's a good like, point. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, like that was that was the point where it was like, okay, Patriots fans aren't crazy for making this argument. That was when they won the fourth one. It's like, oh, okay, now you right. get now you actually get to make this argument. Right. I'm right. like, I just Mahomes is really, really good. He's entertaining. I like watching him play football. Yep. What made Tom Brady, what makes present tense Tom Brady the greatest to ever do it is that he did it at that level for like 20 something years. Correct. And it's not, it's not a slam on Mahomes that he hasn't done that yet. He's been exceptional. If he does this for, you know, three quarters of the length of Tom Brady's career, he's going to go down as the greatest of all time. And I'll tip my cap to him because he will have earned it at that point. Because, yeah. But this, I mean, the sport's about longevity, is it not? It has been the entire time we've been doing it up until the last. It seems like the last five weeks, all of a sudden, we've thrown that out the window. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And Jermaine Brown asked about, uh, you know, what happened to Peyton Manning and the goat talk. And and look, people went nuts about Peyton Manning, right? That was the conversation until Brady, until Brady put some distance between him and um, between him and Manning, right? Until Brady got five, everyone was like, "Whoa!" I mean. I'd still take Peyton Manning, but you know, look what he's done. His regular season numbers are incredible. And he, you know, and it was always, well, Manning has the numbers and Brady has the wins. 
And, you know, like, well, if you switch those guys out, if you put Manning in the Patriots, and it's like, well, wait a second. Like, hold on. Hold on. Like, just let's let's calm down a little bit, right? And so, and then once Brady got to seven, it was like, all right, what are we even talking about here? Like, and then yeah. people realize, like, oh, Manning hasn't even passed Montana. You know, like, so, so it's, you know, but there was always that narrative. And the funny thing is, the funniest thing for me is that, and this is one of the things that I was just kind of going back and forth and, and just looking at was that I, I felt like the NFL in general wanted to prevent the Patriots from being a dynasty, right? They changed the rules of how you play defense because the Colts didn't like it. They changed the rules so that the Patriots would have a harder time winning, right? So like, that's crazy to me. They changed the rules so that the Patriots would, oh, oh, wait, they changed the rules so the Chiefs would have an easier time. The Chiefs didn't win when they played in overtime against the Patriots, so they changed the rules of overtime so that the Chiefs would have a, would have a chance to get the ball back, right? So, like, it's, now you're looking at saying, well, wait a second, before they were changing rules to hurt the Patriots, now they're changing rules to help the Chiefs. So it's just kind of funny when you look at the yeah. way things are done now. It almost seems like the NFL and a lot of the general public wants to embrace the Chiefs, whereas a lot of the general public wanted to hate on the Patriots. Now, the other part of it is that I don't know if that's even true because as a Patriots fan, I felt like I was getting hated on a yeah. lot. Maybe I wasn't. I don't know. Um, you know, like that's well, hard for me to say. Well, and I mean, the other part of it is that, you know, the Patriots had the, I, I don't know how to say his name, John Tomas, Tomas, Tomasi, Tomasi story. Scumbag. Bygate, and they had Deflategate. And um, once it became, you know, a thing that the Patriots broke the rules, anybody could make up a story and claim something happened. It would get a little bit of traction somewhere. So they right. earned that reputation, which they leaned into because, you know, who cares? We're winning. Uh, you can say what you want. And, you know, it does go back a little bit to 03 and 04. And the Chiefs just don't have that. They've just been really good for a couple of years. There's nobody like the most hateable parts of the chiefs are people who really aren't even on the team. You know, it's people who are, have issues with like the media stuff around them, but it's not really the players at this point, the most hateable chiefs player in recent memory is Tyree kill. And he hasn't been there for the last two rings. Um, yeah. but, so, you know, it does annoy me though about the discourse is there are people who have been like, well, you know, uh, you know, Mahomes is, is here for a different era type of thing. Like Brady couldn't win in his era. I've heard that, that kind of sentiment coming out of people's mouths. I'm like, like he the did. body's he not did. cold. He retired last season. <laughs> he did. Not only that, Brady, he's two and zero against Mahomes in the playoffs. Brady went into Arrowhead with you know what many thought was one of the worst Patriots teams that they had in in the whole Brady Belichick era against the a Chiefs team with obviously it was still you know essentially rookie Mahomes first year starter, but with with a prime Kelsey and a prime Tyree Kill. Went yep. into Arrowhead and beat them in overtime and put up 37 points on them. Like that was a Tom Brady victory. Right. And, um, you know, it's like, and then you got the Super Bowl, obviously, which, you know, all of the Buccaneers defense was also a huge part of that. Yeah, but of course. Tampa went and scored first and put points on the board and made Patrick Mahomes play from behind, which was a big reason why they won that game. It's like, get out of here with like the whole era stuff. They, they, we're in the league together for like what four, five seasons? Yeah, they're in the league together for yeah, 
Five I think years. Six years? I think, I think technically six, six when Mahomes sat on the bench that one year, which uh, I'm fine not counting that. No, is it but, is like, it Mahomes' seventh seventh year in the league? Mahomes was drafted in 2017. Okay. Sat 2017, started playing 2018. So it would have been 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Where the so five years, is, they were both starters yeah. in the league right. at the same time. Yeah. That's a lot yep. of time. That's longer than your average NFL career that they shared in the league together. Brady has the better record. Brady beat him in bigger moments twice. Um, and, you know, even if you want to throw out like the the head-to-head win-loss stuff, you, if we don't want to do wins or a quarterback stat, which is what we were told about Tom Brady this entire time, which is suddenly back again. Yep. Look at the numbers. You know, Brady was putting up numbers when he was 40-whatever years old that are not dissimilar from what Mahomes is doing in his prime. Like. Yeah. That is one of the things that made Tom Brady absolutely ridiculous. And I also, I know you'd mentioned this on Twitter. I hate the whole like first X years of career versus first X years of career way of comparing this. Um, and I like I do I do get it for a certain point because like Mahomes is right. crazy good for the lack of experience he has um, relative. But like Brady's first seven years in the league or whatever it is pre Brandy Moss, how many? How many Hall of Famers did he have on offense? His Mahomes uh, has played with, with one or two in his receiving core this entire time. And if you want to make I think what I feel like is the more accurate comparison, we should probably be comparing the Mahomes and Kelsey years to the Brady and Gronk years. Correct. That is how I feel like we should be doing this because Kelsey's going to retire at some point. Yep. And if the Chiefs don't replace him with somebody good, which could happen because it's very hard to do, mm-hmm. um, then we're going to find out, you know, what this looks like. That's the longevity point. Um, so, well, not just that. Yeah. Not just that. Tom Brady led the NFL in passing touchdowns in 2002 with 28. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit. It was a very, very different league then. A very different yes. league. So we can't sit here and talk about, well, you know, I mean, the passing yards. I don't care about the passing yards. The average passing yards is up 20 yards per game. It, it's up 20 yards per game. 20 yards per game is significant. That's yeah, significant. And, if, and as far as I'm aware of you, when you compare a lot of the age adjusted, not age, era adjusted stuff, um, and uh, how you are relative to your peers that season, Brady right. is still ahead. I don't know if he's ahead for like those seven seasons or whatever, but um, right. Brady generally comes out ahead on those things. And again, like that's, these two guys are both really, really good. Like it's, they're close. And like I said, if Mahomes keeps this up for a long time, he'll take the title, and I'm fine with that. Um, yes. Just can't, true. He doesn't even have half of the rings that Tom Brady has. He's not that's even true. halfway there. He's one short of Montana. And that's the other part of it, right? So Dan Dan said it. My guy, AWS Sabermetrics, is Dan Bradley. Um, and he did send me a chart, which you know just broke down kind of the league average and Brady versus the league average and Mahomes versus the league average. It's an interesting chart. I, I'm not going to bore you with the math right now, but but – Here's the idea, right? It's up to it. They're up 20 yards per game. If you're up 20 yards per game, right? Now there's 17 games, but we'll just do it at 16 games. But if you're up 20 yards per game, it's 800 yards more per season that the average quarterback is throwing per season. 800 yards. That's significant, right? So, of course, the numbers are going to look different if you're averaging 800 yards more per game, per, I'm sorry, per season. Clearly, the numbers are going to look different. Oh, guess what's going to come with those 800 more passing yards? Probably some more, some more passing touchdowns too, right? So, like, it's easier to play offensive football now 
than it was from 2001 and 2007. It just is, yeah. right? And yeah. what's interesting about it is that coincidentally, right? Coincidentally here, you got 01, 02, 03, 04, 05, 06. Does that include 07? Probably not. If I had to guess, I would say probably yeah. not. I'm not sure. Any, yeah. So and the other the, thing I want to... It's been yeah. seven years, right? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's been seven years. But Mahomes in those seven years hasn't actually played seven years. He's only played six. So yeah. they do the same thing with Brady where, oh, Brady didn't play his first year either. So it was his first seven years until be, 2007. Yeah. Just coincidentally, we'll just cut it off there. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I want to mention too, because this has gotten annoying, Andy Reid getting into the goat coach conversation. Andy Reid's really, really, really good. Yep. But I, yep. if you are a football journalist, you'll sit here and say Andy Reid is, you know, closing in on being the goat because of what he's done. And then you'll turn around and say what we saw from Bill of the last five seasons without Brady. You know, he couldn't win a ring without Brady. You know, it's clear that it was all Brady because of that. You're not serious. How long did Andy Reid do this without winning a ring? Andy Reid in like 2013 is what Kyle Shanahan is to everybody right now. He was the guy who was really good at designing things on offense who could not win, could not get the big one. And, you know, like that's – and what are we going to – we're going to hold it. Like you can't not hold that against Reid but then hold Bill's years without winning Super Bowls against him. That's not – it's not how this works. They've been – Reid and Bill have been – you know, they got hired, re got hired in Philly around the same time Bill got hired in New England. So you can kind of just use the last 25 years as a relatively equal sample. And Bill has clearly come out on top, beating Andy Reid in the playoffs multiple times, including in the Super Bowl. So, you know, Andy Reid's a phenomenal coach. He's a Hall of Famer. And he's, I think, inarguably one of the top five coaches ever at this point with the resume he's put together. Uh, he's really good. And if he does this more, then we can have the conversation. But like, jumping the gun by quite a bit there correct uh yeah that's a good point i like that i like that all right i wanted to try i wanted to try something i wanted we just want to try oh, something i'm gonna do a little i'm gonna do a little role play okay oh my god and i'm just gonna pretend just just for, just for on a monday night seconds or so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna pretend like i'm a, like i'm a crazy fanatic chiefs fan because i just think the funny things that they say is hilarious so they sit there and they talk about you know Patrick Mahomes has the greatest seven-year stretch. Not even seven years. It's not seven years, but that's okay. Has the greatest seven-year stretch of all time. He's won three Super Bowls. He's won three Super Bowl MVPs. He's prevented guys from winning. He's won two NFL MVPs. And no one else has ever done what Patrick Mahomes has done. And in these seven years, he's proven that he is the GOAT. Right? That, wait, that, wait, 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 Him being the guy. What? What? That's Tom Brady's music? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. I think it is. And you know why Tom Brady's music is playing? Okay? Because Tom Brady had the greatest seven years in the history of the NFL. And do you know what those seven years were? Let's start off in 2014. Oh, I don't know. In 2014, let's see. Oh, when he had two, not one, but two 14-point deficits to the Baltimore Ravens and won that game anyways. Oh, and then was down 10 points in the fourth quarter, which, by the way, was the largest fourth quarter comeback in the history of the Super Bowl Mm -hmm. and did it against the greatest defense in the history of the NFL 
Yes, you heard me correctly. I said the greatest defense in the history of the NFL. Do you know why the Seahawks are the greatest defense in the history of the NFL? You might say, well, wait a second. No, they weren't. Yes, they were. Because if they had held on and won that game, they would have beaten Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in back-to-back Super Bowls. They would have been unequivocally the greatest defense in the history of the NFL. And Tom Brady ripped their soul out and literally ended their franchise. The most passing yards they gave up to anybody all season long. And I looked that up because I saw somebody on Twitter saying that was one of Tom Brady's bad Super Bowls. What set a record for completions in that one? Throwing it 50 times against the greatest pass defense in the modern NFL, bar none. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. 2015 goes goes into Denver with nobody. Everyone on that team was hurt completes that insane one of the greatest throws i've ever seen in my entire life to gronk on that fourth down pass gostowski misses the extra point so they end up losing um okay fine oh 2016 oh what happened in 20 what happened in 2016 oh my god 2016 it was down 28 to 3 must have lost off no 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 that's right they came back and won that game 28 to 3 and he set i believe set a record for the most passing yards ever in the history of the super bowl that happened, right? Did that happen? Most Pretty passing sure yards in the history of the Super Bowl? Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, so so most passing yards in the history of the Super Bowl goes to overtime, wins the game in overtime, comes back from 25 down, halfway through the third quarter, wins. The following year, 2017, wins the NFL MVP, 2017. Oh, and then uh, oh, throws to 500 yards. Breaks his own record he had set the year before. Throws for over 500 yards and loses because his defense can't stop a nosebleed. Fine. And Shaq Mason can't block. Uh, oh, awful, yeah, okay, yep, yep. So 2018 <laughs> comes back, beats Mahomes in Arrowhead in one of the most impressive performances by a quarterback you'll ever see. Okay. Wins the Super Bowl again. Again. Okay. 2019, terrible season. We won't. Okay. 2019 is a pass. So I'll give you an extra yeah. year. Because 2019 is a pass, I'll give you an extra year. We're going to add 2021 onto the end of this one. 2020, what happens is when oh he wins the Super Bowl in 2020. Who does he beat? Uh, well, you know, I mean, he just he just beat a top five defense in Washington. Uh, ta- uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Drew Brees. Oh, that guy's pretty good. Aaron Rodgers, that guy's pretty good. Oh, and then Patrick Mahomes, well, that guy's pretty good. And those were on the road. Oh, with, oh my God! All three of us were on the road. That's crazy. You know what's crazy about that too is that he scored thirty plus points in all four of those games. No big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's just a yeah. coincidence, I'm sure. Twenty twenty one should have won NFL MVP, but it goes to Aaron Rodgers instead, which was a joke. But nevertheless, and then in the in the divisional game is playing the is playing the Rams is down twenty four points to the Rams. Storms all the way back to, to tie the game with 42 seconds left, and the freaking defense pukes all over themselves and gives up a long pass to Cooper Cup, and they end up losing the game. But that eight-year stretch is the greatest stretch in the history of the NFL. It's not close. It is not close. And Mahomes and it, has been great. And you know that's what's it. and you know what's hilarious about that, Pat. You left out like that stretch doesn't include the season where he broke the record for most touchdown passes in a year, or the season where he was unanimous MVP, <laughs> or you know the 2012 offense, which is one of the best 2011 and 2012 two the best yep. offenses ever put together. That just yep. ruthlessly, ruthlessly efficient. Doesn't um, include any of them. Doesn't include the oh, two, the the two fourth quarter game winning drives. 
in in his first two Super Bowls. Doesn't include any of that stuff, man. Yeah. And so and it's, you know, it, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, he's there's a reason why Tom Brady is the great the greatest because he did the stuff that Mahomes is doing and he kept doing it. Yep. Um, so yeah, yep. do we want to? I know we're we're doing the Mahomes Brady stuff. Do we want to talk about the game itself for a let's minute talk, here? Let's talk about the game. We, we got we got to get into the game itself. Um, yeah, give a couple minutes at least. The freaking, I know, and I know you. I know you're sad for Kyle Shanahan. Or you feel bad for Kyle. I, I know. You, I get it. But God damn, that man is stupid. He just like I just. Well, what what do you have an issue with? Well, it, it's the the problem. The problem for me is that it's the defensive play calling and the offensive play calling. I don't know what they were doing in the third quarter. They just fell in love with the pass and thought Brock Purdy could win the game by himself. That was insanity. They what they should have done. The Chiefs were playing lockdown defense. What they should have done is manufactured targets for Debo Ayuk. McCaffrey and Kittle. Kittle, they, they couldn't get the ball to Kittle. He had two catches for four yards. Like they just I don't understand what they were doing. Like they were trying to throw the ball downfield. It wasn't working. McDuffie was fantastic. Legere Sneed was fantastic. That was the that's the strongest part of their defense. And they tested them instead of running yeah. it consistently. It, it made no sense to me. So I should have saved the pictures to to throw up here because that's exactly what I was thinking. And then somebody shared the like the dots view of the the Chiefs defensive looks on all of those you know the first plays where it was like San Francisco's got to run they had like nine in the box on every single one of them the Chiefs right. came up and said we're gonna blitz you we're gonna put everybody in your face and we're gonna make Brock Purdy beat us and those first couple of possessions out of the half did a load of the box so San Francisco threw it on the first possession I think it was a completion and it went backwards no the first one was just a regular incompletion and they got a false start and now it's second and 15 you can't run it from there the next right. one they get a completion because they tried to do one of the scheme to touches and the chiefs blew it up and sent him back eight yards and now it's second and 18 and yeah. you can't run um and then the, the touchdown drive they did have there they only ran it for like 18 yards on it so they when they were able to pass it it worked it was just i think you saw the difference between having a good quarterback and having an elite quarterback because like they put it was yeah. like they they're just betting on whether or not Purdy could make those throws, and there were a couple of throws in there where it's like it's not bad that Purdy didn't make the throw, but if he was a better quarterback, he would, and if he was a better quarterback, they would have won the game. Like a couple well, of those where he's under pressure and he just couldn't make it. Yeah, that the the you know the Debo one in the end zone where he overthrew him in the end zone, and they were like, "Well, he got pressure on him," and like, "Yeah, but he's got to make that throw, man. Like was, he's got to get that shades, throw there." It was shades of Jimmy Garoppolo. It on was. That one. It was and they scored and then, a touchdown on that drive, so it didn't, yeah, so it didn't matter. matter. But yeah. but in yeah. overtime, he's got Jawan Jennings on that whip route, and Jawan Jennings is wide open. And he just airmails it. He just air I know Chris Jones is in his face. I get it, but like make that pass, man. You gotta make that throw. The Super Bowl's on the line. You gotta make it. Yeah. And, he and just, you know where he's gonna be. Yeah. Right. And, and he just airmails it, you know? Yeah. And I think you look back the three. The three biggest plays in this game were two of them were Chiefs um, defensive stops, and one was that fumbled punt. You know, yeah. we talk, we, we, you can go through this whole season, we can break down all the X's and O's, but nothing you can do about a guy not hearing the call to get out of the way of the punt like that in the Super Bowl, which is this is a theme with the Niners now over the last 15 years of them muffling yeah. punts in big games, but that 
I thought he called was, it late, and I might be wrong on that. I it looked like to me he called it late. Yeah, I don't. I'm not but sure exactly know. what the, way, where the issue was there. Right. But um, you do that, and you give Mahomes a free a free possession there, literally on the first play. That, at that point in the game, which you just can't do. And if, if we yeah. count that whole sequence as one possession, the Chiefs scored on I think their last five. So they were, they got, that's when they got going. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but I mean, that them back was, in the game that, you know, that's, that changes the whole game. That one play changes the entire game. Yeah. You know, because that. you had them on the ropes, you know. Yeah. And then there's the two third downs, third, the third mediums. There's the one at the end of regulation. Um, it, I mean, it's trying to make Duffy had an amazing blitz on that and he, he came in at the last second and that was yeah. except for, I actually made a comment on the podcast a couple months ago saying, Hey, like Trent McDuffie's awesome. I'd rather have miles Bryant isn't as a UDFA than Trent McDuffie in the first. I'm going to walk that back now. Cause with yeah. what McDuffie did, that was, he was fantastic all game long. Um, He's a stud. He's he had, a, stud. a deserved, a deserved first team all pro. Yeah. But Purdy didn't see where the blitzer was coming from. And he thought his hot read there, the guy he's supposed to throw to on a blitz was covered. He didn't realize that was the guy who was blitzing. And Ayuk was wide open on a slant. He would have had the first, or at least he's going to catch it and go down a yard short. You can either go for it or whatever, but time's going to come off the clock and all that. And yeah. it's a very different ball game from that point. And then the throw in overtime, like we talked about, how do you, you, you leave Chris Jones unblocked with the Super Bowl on the line? Right. And that's, Offensive line miscommunication. That's and, the entire yeah. the entire thing came down to offensive line miscommunication, special teams miscommunication. Your entire season against the top three quarterback ever, and the only reason you lose is because of those mistakes. If you're a Niners fan, that's going to haunt you. If you're Kyle Shanahan, that's going to haunt you. If you're on that team, that's going to haunt you. That it yeah. just came down to those silly things. It's totally true. It's totally true. And, and I think so. I think as I didn't like some of the play calls. I didn't like some of the some of the designs. Um, by San Fran, I thought that they were out schemed a lot of it. And I think for me, that is for me, at least I looked at it and thought, man, like it just shows you how good Spags is. Spagnuolo is incredible. And to me, he is the greatest defensive coordinator in the history of the NFL. Um, yeah. And I know, you know, Belichick doesn't count there anymore because he's because he's a coach, right? But like, yeah. and Spagnuolo wasn't a good coach, but he's an unbelievable defensive coordinator. He's won he's the so Super good. Bowl four times as a DC. He's fantastic. He's, and he is, what he can yeah. dial up is is incredible, right? It's incredible what he can dial up, and you know he won out. And so you look at it and just say, okay, I'm sorry. The Niners' offense is better than the Chiefs' defense. They are. The Chiefs' defense is very good. The Niners' offense is exceptional. Sure. They're incredible. Statistically, it was. Yeah. Right. And, you know, you look at the – just look at the players. Look at the players. Ayuk, yeah. Debo, McCaffrey, Kittle, Trent Williams. Like, they're, they're, they are better. Yep. And they weren't. And, they and weren't you know why? On, on Sunday. And you know, you know why? You know who you didn't name there? And the offensive lineman, not named Trent Williams. Right. The rest of that line is not that good. And yeah. you can deal with it when you have a Purdy who's pretty good at creating on the move and players who can take a pass at two yards behind the line of scrimmage and turn it into a 25-yard gain at the drop of a hat. You can get around the offensive line issues. But they just, I mean, Spags had a great scheme. 
And then Kyle Shanahan, I think, just didn't have a great answer for it. It's And this is, I think, one of the big questions now in the modern NFL, the McVay-Shanahan offense that everybody loves right now. Right. One of the reasons why it's so successful is that they condense the formations. They get the receivers really close to the line of scrimmage or to, mm-hmm. to the tight ends and the offensive line, and they get them involved in the run game. And the fact that they're so close means like everybody is a slot receiver. And so everybody can go deep. They can go out. They can go in. They can go across the formation. They can just stop. And it puts a ton of stress on defense. And it's really, yeah. really good. The issue with what we saw from the Chiefs is that it brings all of the defenders into the box, which makes yep. you know the running game can be a little bit more hit or miss at times because of that. And you can blitz like crazy. If you've guys in the back end who can cover and tackle at all, you can just bring blitz after blitz. You can bring, bring it from different spots. You can confuse the offensive line. And Purdy wasn't bad against the blitz, but he was just okay. And that was the difference. He was just okay. And every time that the, the Niners blitzed Mahomes, it was barbecue chicken. He was figuring out exactly what he, he wanted to do and getting to it. And yep. uh, I think you see that's honestly where I think where you see the athletic difference between the two. He's the second Purdy gets blitzed. He can't run away from it. He can't throw over it. He can't throw through it. He can't step into it. Yeah. Mahomes can drift off his back foot and drop a dime wherever he wants to before the pressure gets there. He he had a play and it was ended up ended up getting knocked away. Uh, forty five, I think, knocked it away. I don't know who forty five is on on their defense, but he ended that up was, knocking it away. That was the backup linebacker who came in for Dre Greenlaw. I thought that was forty eight, but e- either way, doesn't matter. I had a couple um, of guys that came in. He was yeah, yeah. So, anyways, there was a play where Mahomes rolled out to his right. He was in the red zone, mm-hmm. and Bosa had kind of rode the uh, the running back out to the flat, and he came running in, and he's just running. Straight at Mahomes, and Mahomes just never even flinched. He just like moved like a you know, adjusted his body slightly as he was running, and Bosa just completely whiffed. And it was just he didn't throw a head fake at nothing. He just like slightly adjusted, and Bosa completely missed him. And so, in that respect, and Mahomes, of course, is a little different. Brady did it in the pocket, but. In that respect, Mahomes and Brady are very similar to avoiding pressure. Mahomes does it outside the pocket better than I've ever seen. Like, and again, it's not—it's not that he's like juking guys. He's just doing enough to just change the angle, you know. And when it's—it's not just that. It's that you have the subtlety of movement combined with the fact that you do the entire operation. And at no point is the defender your primary focus. You're right. still trying to pass the ball the entire right. time, which is remarkable. Right. Brady, like you said, yeah. Brady did it in the pocket. You know, the the subtle three inch step up to make sure that the defender's hand didn't get enough jersey to take him down, and then he rips a ball and it's a first down. And Mahomes, that's he'll roll out of the pocket and do exactly what you said. Right. Um, Old man so, points out points out one thing. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan passed on Tom Brady twice. Yeah, and that's tough. That is just inexcusable. It's inexcusable. Was it, was it twice? Well, I don't know, but he said twice. Uh, theoretically, when they traded for Jimmy G, but I don't think he actually was a was um, you know, was really available. But you know, in 2020, it is inexcusable for him to have not gone um, and done that. And so, yeah. you know, I just imagine, imagine if that team. Had Tom Brady as his quarterback, they would have won three straight Super Bowls. They yeah. would have been oh, unstoppable. They would yeah, have been no, unstoppable. Yeah, and it's I mean they're going to get the I mean imagine too if Gronk comes with him and you have the Gronk and Kittle offense back in 2020 with what Kyle Shanahan does. You know you you can do anything you want on the football field. 
you know, right. you just right. go out there and have fun. So, and um, there was a few, there's a few other comments, uh, Maka over there. So Maka had, was like, wait a second, Belichick stopped the cake on twice, which he did, which he did. But I, I was, I was saying I was eliminating Belichick from the defensive coordinator situation because he has moved on. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's in the head coach. He's a head coach now. So he doesn't count towards the greatest defensive defensive coordinator of all time. That counts towards his resume, but he's now head coach. You can't count him. I, I can't do that yeah. to people and count him as, as no. DC and, and head coach either. So it does count on his resume, but I think Spagnolo is or Spags. I'm just gonna call him Spags. It seems weird because my my guy my guy Ryan Spagnoli, but but I don't know if it's Spagnolo, Spagnola. I don't. It doesn't matter. We're just calling Spags. Uh, is the best pure defensive coordinator of all time. When he has, if we're talking about pelts on the wall, he has I think the three best teams by DVOA to have lost in the playoffs or something like that, and the 07 Pats and the two the Ravens and Niners. So I think it's up to the best offense. I think those are the three best offenses that lost yeah. in the playoffs, and he was the defensive right. coordinator against all of them. That's remarkable. Like That's yeah. incredible. So, yeah, and the 07 say, Patriots makes, are unstoppable, and he stopped him. And, and it's, you know, we all, we've talked about how the the 07 team, you know, they had the the scare in New York at the end of the regular season where it looked like, you know, the Giants played them way closer than anybody thought. They still put up 38 points in right. that game. That wasn't the defense. That was the Giants offense being able to keep up with them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it does, you know, seeing what we've seen the last couple of weeks makes me feel just the tiniest bit better about 2007, knowing how yeah. good Spags is and that it's like, all right, especially now looking back at it and it feels way less like an Eli thing and a lot more like we met one of the great defensive minds who just had, had it drawn up perfectly for that offense. Um, and, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine to a certain degree tipping my cap and saying, you know, he's better that day and that's how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, look, I, it was a great, it turned out to be a great Super Bowl. Um, yeah. I said, listen, I said on the podcast, I've been saying it for two weeks. I've been saying it for two weeks. I was going to bet on the Chiefs. All of my money went on the Chiefs, and I won some money because I was yeah. not about to lose to Patrick Mahomes in money as well. I was mad enough that they were going to win. I was like, forget it, dude. I'm betting on it. Uh, what I should have done when it was when they were down 10, live bet them as well, and I didn't because yeah. I wasn't really paying attention to my phone at that point. Well, well I wasn't paying attention to that, but – Thad uh, mentioned that mentioned it was the most watched Super Bowl ever. Of course, it was hundred and I think it was like, like hundred and twenty three million or something like that. I, uh, I just assume every year it is because there's more people. True, but and I, I if think it isn't. That's kind of a failure. True, true, and I, I think this time, you know, with with the added with the added, um, you know, Taylor Taylor Swift stuff. The the Taylor Swift stuff is interesting because I feel like there were a lot more parties, and there were always a ton of parties. So I don't know how they count. I mean, I guess TVs that are on, but like if you have 15 people sitting in front of one TV, does that count as 15? Like I think it counts as one, right? So like, I don't know. Um, But either way, you know, I just Nielsen does. Yeah. Nielsen does some stuff on that to like adjust. I know. I don't know exactly how it works. It's above. Yeah. So, but, but either way it was, it was, well, it was watched a lot and look, my kids, whatever. We've talked about this. Say whatever you want about, about Taylor Swift. My kids were, were excited. They were interested. They wanted to see the game. Yeah. They were like excited to see what happened. You know, like that, that was cool. Yeah, you know? And so and we had a, you know. we had a Super Bowl party here and it was, 
you know, some some of my friends or girlfriends who haven't always been as into football were not just watching, but asking questions about the game yeah. and like trying to learn things. But oh, so like the, the people who've watched football but never really know what it is, like oh, that's actually what first down means. They're not just lines right. on the screen. Like this is exactly. that's why they do it, or like you yep. know things like that. And it's um, that's that's one of the fun parts about being a sports fan is being able to pass down the knowledge to new people and invite new people in. And I, I, I really appreciate that about what we've seen in the last couple of months. Um, I like it. And by the way, we put it, we, we, we bet on it. We didn't bet on it, but we just, we kind of said, you know, who thinks who, how many times do you think they're going to show Taylor Swift right during the game? And my Johnny, my little guy was like a billion. <laughs> and it ended up being what? 54 and, seconds. And Violet goes, my, my, my middle daughter goes uh, like five. And they, they probably showed her five times. And then, uh, of course, once the Super Bowl ended, they showed her longer, right? So it, you but know, she's it, in the celebrations. Like that's that's that, is the time for all of that. That's the <laughs> that's thing, right? So of course she's in it then. But like going to commercial a few times here and there. But like they didn't show her a ton. You know, like that's the thing. It was a total of fifty-four seconds. You can't handle fifty-four seconds right. of any celebrity in, at in a like famous a event. Four and a half hour event, right? Like yeah, it, you know. and I. Credit to her for I don't know if you had seen the the beer chugging thing with her. Yep. They showed her cool. on the jumbotron and she chugged a beer. I was like, all right, she gets it. That was I cool. love it. Yeah. Like that's that's uh, that's pretty electric, right there. I, I agree. So. By the way, Gary Gary over there started at eleven thirty. Took the day off and had a few friends over. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. So. I, I'm uh I'm hoping at some point here. The, the NFL is probably going to add an extra bye week or an extra week to the season or something. And Super Bowl is going to end President's up on President's Day, Day weekend. We're here in the States As for you, Gary. We get the Monday off, so we'll get the day after the Super Bowl off. That's that's how it should be. That's, As as it should be. As, yes. That's the way it should be. And listen, let me tell you something, man. We have a snow day tomorrow. I, was, I had to take a half day anyways because there was no one to put my kids on the bus this morning. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm taking a whole day. So I took the whole day off. And it was great. Nice. It was fantastic. I was like, this is great. I, I got it. some stuff done around the house. It. So it was, you know, it was nice. You so, get a nice long weekend here. Yep. Yep. And yep. it's no day. Yep. So, um, yep. Side note, anyways. did you, while we're talking right. Super Bowl, before we move on, did you see that the logo for next year's was announced earlier? I unveiled it. It's the, the wildest and kind of the most colorful of the Super Bowl Ooh. logos in the new era. They went because it's down in New Orleans, so it's all like red, pink, orange with like a neon green design in the the letters. It's going to be a love or a hate thing for everybody, but the, oh. the age of the boring Super Bowl logos is definitely gone. Thankfully. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, because that's fun. That's fun. Yeah. You know, they're bringing a little bit of fun back to the no fun league. Just like a little. A, is there a guy playing a trumpet? Looks like right. Is there a guy playing a trumpet in the L? You might have the wrong one. <laughs> oh, that, was one that was one day ago. Now this is ten hours ago. I see. <laughs> okay. No, now I got the right one. It's like a Florida Lee in there, almost right. Yeah, it's got like yeah, a yeah. New Orleans That's architecture cool. style design in it, which I, I think was. Uh, yeah, I like that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it's fun. That's fun. It's just give me something different, man. Give me something different. You know? Yeah. I'm happy about, yeah. I'm happy about that. So you know who's gonna you know what's not gonna be different? You know who's gonna be back in the Super Bowl next year? Probably the Chiefs. Nope. Tom Brady. Oh, great point. Fox gets the Super Bowl next year. 
at and you. It's Tom Brady will be on color for that, presumably, unless it goes so so poorly that they they pull him off for the Super Bowl. It won't. But it won't. I can't he's gonna be. He's gonna be, be incredible. And I was I was the biggest Tony Romo fan when he first started broadcasting, and he was so good his first season. And it's yeah. like that that Tom Brady broadcasting duo next year is going to be so much better than what we had on CBS for this one because it was just well Romo at one point. I tweeted something out that was like, why did the guy go for the punt? Because shouldn't the ball be dead because Kansas City touched the ball? Because they said on the broadcast, why did he yeah. go for that? It touched the Chiefs guy. And I'm like, wait, it did? I'm like, I thought it touched the San, San Fran guy, but I go, it must have touched the Chiefs guy. But then I'm watching the replay, and I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? He, he clearly yeah. touched the San Fran guy. Like, well, what are we looking at, you know? Well, it, well, yeah, I, he, he struggled. He's been he, – he struggled this year. Well, and I think the most – the most annoying thing with Romo to me is that like every time he talks, it sounds like he's tr- he trying to get his quote in like a one of the commercials or in like a hype video or something. And it's like, yeah. not everything is this big, you know, grandiose moment. Like we want that for the moments, but if you do it every time there's a play and you're like jumping out of your seat, it just cheapens everything. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a few, yeah. there's a few moments right in every Super Bowl that you kind of look back on. And there's, you know, he was great in, the 2018 game in Arrowhead, he was incredible. He was right? so How good. he was calling the plays, and he was doing. He needs to do Although, more of that. Yeah. Oh, I will say, one of the plays in there, everybody gives him credit for calling. He didn't call in the opposite of what he said was going to happen. Happened, and like nobody, it's the the fade that they called to Gronk because he said that the safety is going to come down. They're going to run the slant. He ran the thing, the fake slant, and that's true. fade, and yeah. they threw it. And they're like, everybody gives him credit for that. But he did it. He did a fantastic job. Right. Well, and, and Dan saying, too, like, you know, that CBS probably told him, I would assume, told him to stop doing that because, you know, the regular people losing interest and things like that. But, like, that's what he does. What That's, like, interesting. That's, you know. Yeah. And people hate Collinsworth. But, like, I thought he was phenomenal in the Patriots Super Bowl against the, against the Seahawks. And every time I – Every time I hear, right, Jermaine Curse catches that pass, and he's like, "Oh my God, what a catch!" and this and that, and Al Michael's like, "Unbelievable!" You know, and they and they're like going to whatever because Seahawks have to call a timeout, and uh, and Collins just just goes, "But they're not in yet," and I'm like, yeah. "What a freaking!" <laughs> and of course, it doesn't matter. Like okay. they, you know, you're like, of course they're gonna score, you asshole. You know what I mean? But like they don't score, and you're like, "Oh my God, yeah. what a freaking quote!" You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's Collinsworth for all his flaws is professional. Like he's yes. he's good at it. I just don't particularly love his style, and I right. think he can yeah, be a little which, bit biased at points. But fine. he's like he's like a good neutral. I think somewhere on the whatever the yeah. broadcaster index is going to be. Um, I like I like I love Olsen. I'm I'm excited to see how Brady does. I was nervous. I thought it might be a disaster at first. But hearing his recent podcast media stuff and his thoughts on the game, it's like, okay, he actually, he's got something there and he's got, I think he has the voice down and it's I like, so. all right, I'm, I want to see this. Now, the, the funny thing would be if they give the Patriots another opener against an NFC team next year and have Fox broadcast it and let Brady's first ever game in the booth be at Gillette. But there's, there's no shot that that's, that's what happens. Wild. Well, cause who to the, who do the Pats? Well, it could be any. They're they're there's less they're less strict on the whole Fox CBS conference thing now. That's true. But if it was yeah. if it was going to be an NFC team, the only pl- team that we could play that would 
garner getting the number one team probably the 49ers in the opener if we're out there which could also be kind of fun for him to broadcast in the bay area yeah that'd be really cool yeah Yeah, that'd be a fun opener uh well not for not on the field product wise i don't think that would be particularly entertaining there but there are the other stuff yeah yeah so you know and so we'll see and and it's you know it is what it is and that's that's the way it goes um I'm, I'm my dad mentioned about it. it. It's oh, Brady in the Duncan commercial is so funny. That was it. That was the one. That was the best one. They had some good yeah. ones. That was the best one. And the um, behind the scenes stuff they put on like social media, like the extended fantastic. versions of it are hilarious. Fantastic. That was the best one. I thought that the uh, the players flying the YouTube TV one was good. That was a good one. With I totally um, missed it. So it was okay, like. So- it was like all the players were migrating, but they were like, you know, the Seahawks. And so, like, they actually had some of the Seahawks, but they were like, they oh. were in their uniforms and stuff and they're flapping their wings, like flying as if they're like migrating. It was good. It was oh, good. Yeah. So, so I'm, I ended up missing a lot of the commercials last night because um, our we have cats here that we got oh, recently. God. And our cats love human food. That's like their favorite. Like, if there's food out, they're going for oh, it. Oh, God. But of course, we got food out for the Super Bowl. Obviously. So, you know, we were all kind of rotating on cat duty to make sure that anytime the cat jumped up on the table, he wasn't getting into the taco dip or the, the chicken wings or whatever. So there were a lot of, you know, yelling at the cat, running into the kitchen, picking them up and pulling them off, whatever, and then running That's back crazy. in. So missed a couple commercials in there while that was happening. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. Thad mentioned the State Farm commercial with, uh, with, Arnold, which was good, and ends with Danny DeVito. That was a good one, too. So uh, there were some good ones. There were some good ones in there. I think the Duncan one is the best one. And just because Affleck just goes so far over the top, Brady's great in it, and then Matt Damon just sells it so much as, like, he absolutely hates it and doesn't want to be there. It's, like, it's fantastic. So, um, yeah. So I like that one a lot. So, all right, let's let's take a break. Mm -hmm. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about Matt's Mock Draft 2.0. That's right. We have a mock draft. Ready for out. people to yell at me. Yeah, oh yeah. Yep. It's be great. <laughs> um, you know, and, and look, this is this is a situation where we've talked about already. Every two weeks we're gonna come up with a mock draft. It's your week this week. In two weeks, it'll be my week. And then once April rolls around, we'll do one every week, uh, every Monday. So um, but let's take a quick break and then we'll come back um and we will discuss that. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks. For me, it's got to be the buffalo chicken dip. That's my number one with the with the Fritos. Come on now. And placing some super bets as well. My number one bet of the weekend, offensive lineman to score a touchdown because that's just hilarious. That would be incredible. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W, or two, or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which player will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins just visit fanduel.com slash boston to sign up that's fanduel.com slash boston make every moment more with fanduel official sportsbook partner of the nfl 21 and present in a mass hope is here first online real money wager only ten dollar first deposit required bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt restrictions apply see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com gamblinghelpma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. 
Play it safe from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, before we get into it, Thad Skywalker did mention that Tyquan Thornton uh, did get uh, hired by the people yesterday. I thought it was interesting timing because uh, famously before the 2011 Super Bowl, he was cut the night before the Super Bowl uh, and didn't play in that Super Bowl uh, and then was hired during the Super Bowl to come back to the Patriots. I thought that was uh, kind of oh, yeah. fitting, which I liked. Um, and I think the the other part of this, too, is that he's assistance wide receiver coach. Which yes. seems interesting. I don't know if that means Troy Brown is staying on or if they're hiring somebody else to be full time. Right. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Troy, and it, Troy was wearing all the senior bowl stuff and no Patriot stuff. He uh, doesn't seem bowl, to be so. with the team anymore. And it is weird to hire the assistant for the main guy. But also, we go back earlier this week, what we didn't talk about, they hired Dante Hightower to be mm-hmm. linebackers coach. And my first thought, well, my, my first thought was, hell yeah. My second thought was, this is a big jump for him to have never coached before and be the linebackers coach. And, you know, yeah, you can rely on Covington and Mayo to help you out, but do you want your DC also being your linebackers coach and t- trying to train a guy to be a linebackers coach at the same time? And do you want Flores, not Flores, Mayo <laughs> trying to help out with all that? Like, I think you want those guys in their new jobs. And then the name is totally going to escape me, but they hired the former outside linebackers coach from the Giants who worked with yes. Wink Martindale, who is right. app- apparently loved like Wink Martindale. Apparently he's been raving, raving about this guy. Uh, and now it seems like, all right, I'm assuming that we're going to see Hightower be his assistant. And I really, really like that pairing. So, and I like the Taekwon Underwood pairing. You know, he's yeah. good. He, he apparently learned a lot in New England. Uh, he wasn't good, but that's, well, well and because I mean, of the smarts thing. Right, that doesn't matter, you know what I mean? So yeah. uh, Drew Wilkins, by the way, was the guy's name. That's he the, did work with Matthew Judon, as Old Man Mob mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. And so we'll see what happens. Now, uh, their tight ends coach is leaving um, to go be with uh, Bill O'Brien in, in BC. So they, they're looking for a tight ends coach as well now. So um, That's not, a, not really a surprise there because he came with – He did. He came with him, yeah. Yep. He just follows Bill O'Brien there, kind of attached to the hip. Yeah, at this point. which is good. So, Nothing wrong with that. So it's, so, so it's running back, wide receiver, and tight ends coach are all still correct. open. Yep, yeah. correct. So as far as we know, at least, right? And there are some th- reports floating around. Of course, we've we've seen the name Chad O'Shea come up a few times, um, a guy who has been an offensive coordinator in some places but was a wide receivers coach here in New England before he went down to Miami, mm-hmm. so as the OC with Flores. So. We'll see. We'll see where that goes from there. I, I do like the hirings uh, so far. As that pointed out, that he loves the, the coaching hirings. I think the coaching hirings have been great. We'll see. I mean, there's a lot of question marks as to what's going to happen. I love Donta Hightower. Listen, I'm going to do a season long campaign for Donta Hightower to unblock me on Twitter or X, whatever the hell it's called now. He blocks me on Twitter, and and what happened was it was very innocuous. Here's what happened. Okay, it was. The anniversary of something that came up in my men- in my memories on Facebook, okay? And it was the 2012 season. I remember it vividly. It was the 2012 season. And I remember thinking that Hightower was terrible. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't 2012. It was 2013. It was second year in the league. Mm-hmm. 2013 season. And they were playing the Broncos. And I I posted something on Facebook that was like, I can't wait for to watch, you know, Dante Hightower, the slowest tight end, of the uh, slowest linebacker in the league, try to cover, uh, you know, 
the uh, try to cover the Broncos tight ends or whatever and get completely lit up by Peyton Manning all game, right? He had a phenomenal game in that game. I think it was Monday Night Football or something. Sunday Night, it was Sunday Night Football, I think. He had an outrageously good game in that game and literally was nails from that moment on until the end of his career. Yeah. And like I literally could not have been more wrong. And I think I tweeted out a, a screen capture of it, and I was like, you know, here's my, you know, formal apology or something like, you know, anyone that doesn't think I'm terrible at this, like, here's what yeah. I said about Donta, you know, at Donta Hightower, like, you know, eight years ago or whatever and how stupid I am and how incredible he's been since, right? And, and he blocked you for it? And I was like, oh, what the God. hell, dude? So, so season-long campaign to have Donta Hightower unblock me. We'll see if I can pull it off by the end of the year. Um, I, but, I love it. You know. Well, it's funny because Hightower got off to a, a crazy good start in his first game ever. He and Chandler Jones yeah. combined for the strip yeah, sack the touchdown. touchdown. Yeah. And then uh, he just kind of was there the first two years of his career other than that. And it took right. him time to reach what he became. But Yep. And like I said, by the end of – He was a monster. Yeah. He played well in that game against against um, Denver. I think, I think it was 2013, the end of 2013. And then he played well the rest of the year. In 2014, he was incredible. And, and he was that guy the rest of his career. So, um, anyways. All right. Let's get into – let's get into mock draft. We'll yeah. get into there. We do have some coaching things we got to get through, but we'll get into there. But we're going to start off with with old man Mob right here, saying all the Super Bowl shows has shown me is that the Pats need to take a QB at three, Drake May, or Jaden Daniels. Matt, you disagree? <laughs> at least in this one, I don't. I this is <laughs> this isn't. I want to make something clear. This isn't what I think they should do necessarily. This is kind of I'm entertaining a hypothetical in this mock. Yeah. So my second mock draft of the cycle. I wanted, and this is kind of jumping off of Pat's last one. Pat's was, what if the Patriots feel like Caleb is the guy and they need to go up and get him? This is, what if they don't like this quarterback class? They just don't right. think these guys are that good. You know, Caleb and May are off the board or Caleb and Daniels or whatever. Whoever's there at three, they don't think is worth that pick. And, you know, they don't they don't love the rest of the board and they want to pass on the position. They say, we're going to sign a bridge quarterback and we're going to, push this out or we're going to try to trade for somebody later or whatever. And we're just going to start building the team now and worry about the quarterback another time when it comes to the long-term option. Uh, I wanted to see what the draft would look like if we go through that lens and we'll start at pick three. And this is one of the reasons why I like this lens at pick three, you get Marvin Harrison jr. Who is, you know, arguably the best, the best prospect in this entire draft. And, you know, he's, he can, on his own, almost single-handedly fixed the receiver issue that we've had since 2017. Like that's that's what he's capable of. Yeah. Um, since since Brandon Cooks left, we really haven't had that guy as an outside receiver, and that's changed now. You get a guy who can come into the NFL and probably not just be you know a high-quality starter, be like a top top half of the league starter at receiver. He can be one of those guys for you. Um, so I, I think that can change the trajectory of your offense going forward, having a guy like that out there, a talent like that. And he's also just, you know, such a sure thing by the best, the best receiving prospects since Julio and AJ green, when they came out together, that's the level yeah. of guy we're dealing with here. Well, and that's, and that's really what it comes down to is that there hasn't been a quarterback a wide receiver taken in the top three in a long, long time, but he's incredible. He's incredible. And he does everything well. Jamar Chase is a phenomenal wide receiver. 
and he does a lot of things well. I think that Marvin Harrison Jr., and you just mentioned it, is a better prospect coming out of college than Jamar Chase was, right? Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be a better NFL receiver. We don't know that. Yeah. But he's a better prospect. And, you know, the problem – And so TJ is asking, can we trade back and get Marvin Harrison Jr.? And the answer to that question, I, I believe, is no. And the reason why I believe it's no is because there's a possibility that – Quarterback goes one, two, three. That's certainly a possibility, right? As it mm -hmm. did in 2021. That's certainly possible. But Arizona's at four. Arizona's taking Marvin Harrison Jr. if he lands. Like if he falls yeah. to them, he's taking him. He, they're not taking a left tackle. They're not taking, they drafted a tackle in the first round. Like that's just, they're taking him at four if he's there. So, and they're not trading up to three with you. That'd be silly. So, you know, they they are going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. if he's there. If you want Marvin Harrison Jr., you have to take him at three. Um, yep. And and look, and and the reason why I like the mock draft exercise because you said it. You don't necessarily agree that this is what the Patriots should do. I don't necessarily agree this is what the Patriots should do. But it's a good exercise to take a look at it and say, what if they think that these quarterbacks are good but not great? And they think Marvin Harrison Jr. could be a wide receiver one in his first year. And if that's the case, then you take him at three because he yeah. automatically makes you better. Yep. And it's, I know the, a lot of people have said, and I don't disagree with this, you know, quarterback is such an important position. You need to, you need one to win. You need to take one. The flip side of that is that quarterback is that important of a position. If you don't like the prospect and you don't think they're good, you almost can't afford to take one. And it's not, you know, every prospect comes with risks that you're going to have to be able to accept. Uh, but if it's, you know, beyond what your threshold is and there's just too much going on there, don't don't force it. Obviously, you have to take risks at some point, but you don't force it on on some of these guys. If you don't if you don't love it with where this roster is, there's no point um, yeah. in drafting a quarterback you don't love just to throw them on a roster that isn't That's, good and not fix your other. That roster. to me, that to me is the biggest is the biggest point about yeah. quarterback is that yet it's the most important position in football. And I agree with that, but because it's the most important position in football, you have to get it right. If you take a guy at three, just because you need a quarterback and you're not sold on him, you're in trouble. Right. And I don't know if that's what they did in 2021. I don't I don't know if that's what they did, but if that's what they did in 2021, it was a mistake, right? They made the playoffs that one year, but you saw what happened to Mac Jones after a certain point. Again, I don't want to get into that. You know, we've we've gone over that and over that and over that, and we'll see what happens to Mac Jones eventually in his career and if he can rebound. But like, if they weren't sold on him, it was the wrong pick. You have to yeah. believe in what you're doing and be sold on it. Now, again, does that necessarily? I don't know. I don't know. I you know I don't know what the what the situation is, but um, you know, I think that. Taking a quarterback is great if he's the right guy. Yep, agreed. And that's that's kind of it's kind of a binary. Either you like him or you don't. If you like him, you take him. If you don't, you don't. Right. Um, so yeah. Exactly. All right. So that's that's their first pick, which I think kind of becomes that's the easy one. I think yep. that's one of those. If you if you can't trade back and you're just there at three, you just take him. He's close to a sure thing at a position you need. You just you just do it and you go from there. Next up, go to pick 34. I've got offensive tackle Jordan Morgan from Arizona. Uh, he's a guy who still has 
He's got some warts to his game, as you would expect with any tackle who's still there in the second round. But and when he gets his hands on you as a blocker, he's just he's gonna win the rep. He's really he's got really, really strong hands. He's got good hand placement once he gets there. It's just there's some technical stuff there that he still has to learn. Uh, he is a left tackle too. He's a guy who would come in and at least compete for a starting job at left tackle right away, if not outright earn it, depending on who else would be brought into the building. Um, and I just, you know, I like it. He's he's experienced too. Yeah. He's a guy who I think comes in and can give you quality play right away. And um, yeah, and I, there's some other tackles that I like more than Morgan, but I do think from what we've heard, there's going to be a run on them. And I wouldn't be surprised if Morgan goes before 34 and this ends up if you want to tackle here you got to trade up or it's got to be somebody who might be another tier down of a prospect but being able to get a guy who you think would be a starting left tackle in this league at 34 it's you take that well and that's the thing is that supposedly it's a very very deep class for tackle it's a really important position as well and if you're not sold on the quarterbacks that are there, and I don't know if people are going to be, and there's a possibility. We've talked about this. J.J. McCarthy might jump into the first round. Michael Penix might make the the end of the first round. Like there are, There's a chance that those guys go there. That is maybe. that There's a possibility that those guys end up there. But if there are really good players at tackle, it's an important position. There might be players, there might be teams that are willing to trade up to get a guy like that because it's that important of a position. And so... I think Jordan Morgan, again, has some work to do. But what I like about it is that he's a left tackle. You need a left yes. tackle. I think Onwenu works well in this system. I hope that they re-sign Onwenu. But theoretically, if you bring Onwenu back, you have your right tackle. Now you have your left tackle in Jordan Morgan. And maybe he can't start right away. Maybe you have to teach him some things. Maybe he's got to get a little more polished so he's not ready to go right away. Or maybe you just throw him into fire and say, we're going to lose anyways. This year doesn't matter. Like, let's train you on the job. But either way, you're hoping you have your starting left tackle of the future. And mm-hmm. that is well worth pick number 34. Yes. Yeah. And I like it. And it's, we're going to get to it, but he's not the only tackle that's going to be right. in here. Uh, but that's, that's your second round pick. We go to the third round. I actually have the Patriots just trading back a bit. I think if you're not, if you're not taking the quarterback at some point in this draft, you want to trade back. See if you can pick up a little extra capital somewhere along the lines. We'll have them, moving back 14 spots in the third round and they also give up their sixth in it and they get an extra fourth. I put all of this in like a little draft pick value calculator I made. So the, the values on the picks make sense for what would happen in an actual draft day trade. This would be with the Colts. So when you get to pick 82, it's going to be a wide receiver from Washington, Jalen McMillan. This dude is fun to watch. He was injured. This season, so his stats aren't as good. He had over a thousand yards last year, though. He gets touchdowns. And the comparison for this guy is Amon Ross St. Brown. He's a bigger slot guy, really crafty route runner. You know, he knows how to get to the spots he needs to get to and how to win. He's got good hands, and I think he has, uh, he's not quite as well built as Amon Ra is, but he also has better deep speed as a result. He's a little bit more of a deep threat out of the slot. And I think you look at a New England offense, you put the receiving core together, Marvin Harrison Jr. as your X, Jalen McMillan as your Z, and Pop Douglas in the slot. And if these guys hit the way you think they're going to, you've just gone from bottom five receiving core to potentially top half of the league. Right. 
Yeah. Just just with that. All in one fell swoop. And I mm-hmm. I love I love McMillan. Um in a real draft, I don't know if you can trade back and get him. You might just take him at pick sixty-eight because I really, really like what he does. Uh, I'm curious to see how he is in the in the combine, but love him, absolutely love him. Go to the fourth round. We're going right back to tackle. You know, wide receiver and tackle. Those are the issues on offense. We're just hammering them to start this draft. This is going to be the other Notre Dame tackle, Blake Fisher, who was their right tackle with Joe Walt, who is approximately the same age as Joe Walt. I'm pretty sure. Uh, less refined, but still incredibly talented and can play on the right side. He's the type of guy who is going to sit probably for his first year behind on Wenu and learn a little bit. You hope he can be a swing tackle. And, you know, if things go better than expected, he gives you the flexibility to put on Wenu back to guard if he's more comfortable there, depending on, you know, what would happen there. And if they don't resign on Wenu, then, you know, you're going to have two rookie tackles. So you're competing for starting jobs and, if they both win them, fantastic. Uh, but if you even get one starting tackle out of these two, I think both of them have the capability to do it. If one of them is a starting tackle, that helps you a ton. I, I support this because I have the exact same guy going at pick 107 uh, in the fourth round of, of my mock draft. So I support Boy it. Fisher. I support it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, he's uh, it's a lot to like about yep. him. Um, he's young. Like that's. Yeah. Not it's not often you can get a very young, very talented offensive lineman at this point. He obviously has a lot of warts with that. If he's still there, there's Clearly, he's inconsistent. Right. There's he's, yep. you got to work with him, and he may not be there then. Uh, this is pick one hundred three. It's he's I was using the, using the mock draft database, which kind of aggregates where he's being picked. But some people have him a little ahead of this, so he might be you know gone in the nineties type of guy. But we'll see. Yep. Um, and with that that trade back I did in the third round before picked up an extra fourth and this is why i this is where you go for the boomer bust pick for the offense to build it out this is jaheem bell have you watched jaheem bell pat i have not he's a tight end he played for three years at south carolina and was at florida state this past year he kind of does everything there's a little like kyle use to his game um he's just a really good athlete he's fantastic after the catch and he can run the ball. He had more yards rushing than receiving at South Carolina last year as a tight end. And, you know, he's still raw. He's still more athlete than anything else. And you're hoping for development there. But he can do a lot after the catch. I think he's an ideal tight end, too, in an offense because he can mm-hmm. give you some matchup threats. And you're going to ask a little bit less of him as a blocker. But in the scheme that Alex Van Pelt has used before, that has been friendly to tight ends who are like that think he gives you the ability to do a lot of things and if you look at a lot of the play action bootleg stuff that those offenses run where they'll have a tight end run across the formation and you know that's going to be your first receiver in the flat right in front of the quarterback who can just take off and run a tight end like that in that kind of a scheme so good like that's that's where he would thrive so yep um i I like it i I like it swing for the fences with with some guy that you know hasn't necessarily done it in college and mm-hmm. but lights it up when he gets to the pros, you know? Yeah. And that's I mean, the whole fourth round here is guys who are athletic but need need some polish. But you can find a role for somewhere out there and feel comfortable putting them on the field at some points. So I love those and we'll see. I mean, you know, I I love all these guys and what's my rule? If you love a guy in a mock draft, he's probably gonna end up going higher than where you that's have correct. And I feel that way about you know the last three picks. None of these guys may actually end up being there, but they are in that range. 
Uh, we'll go to the fifth. We got um, a trade, another trade back here just to pick up an extra draft pick. So we're going to move back like 20 spots here in the fifth round with the Rams pick up an extra sixth in the process because we've given up a sixth earlier in right. the, yeah. the thing. Yeah, just kind of moving around the board to get, get picks in different spots. I got Jalen Wright from Tennessee, just a really fast running back. Uh, we're very willing in pass protection, although he's a little hit or miss there at points. Still, you know, he's still learning. He's, his his vision is not fantastic, but he's incredibly fast. He's a home run threat, and that's what you want at this point. Yeah. You know, you you need somebody like that for the offense, and maybe they don't hit on it, maybe they do, but you know, it's it's worth taking a shot. Yeah, at a running back, whomever it is, right? If it's this guy, if it's someone else, if it's whatever, but like. You need to you need to take a shot at a running back to help you out because Ramondre can't carry the load, and I don't know if Zeke is going to want to come back. He might, but I don't know if Zeke's going to want to come back. So well, you're going to need it. you're going to need a, yeah. a running back if if he doesn't want to come back. He may want to go to a team that has a chance to make the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So well, and even if Zeke comes back, you know he's not fast. Neither no, like Ramondre has got good speed, but he's not a take it to the house every play kind of right. kind of running back. So getting a little a little lightning in the backfield to pair with the Thunder is something okay. I would like. Um and you know Ramondre is a great receiver out of the backfield too, but somebody who can take some load off him there yeah, and attack exactly. defenses yeah. in different ways, I think would be a good thing. And then we we move on to the sixth round here. Pat, I don't know if you're familiar with the guy I took in the sixth round. This is this guy screams Patriots profile. Love it. Started at Cornell. Was at Cornell for three seasons. He was yep. a safety at Cornell. Transferred. He ends up going to Houston Christian and switches from safety to edge defender. Puts on like 15 okay. pounds of weight or whatever. Or he was he was there for the last two seasons. 13 and a half sacks playing that position for the first time in the last two years. There at Houston Christian. His name is Jalex Hunt. He was at the Senior Bowl. People loved him there. They said he was flying around. He's, you know, he's a freak athlete. Still learning yeah. the position. You're getting him in the sixth round. You love it. And I think the worst case for a guy like this is he can become a special teamer for you because he's that body type that, you know, he can run fast and he can hit hard. You can put him in space and he's comfortable. It's like uh, Demarcus Mitchell, right? Demarcus Mitchell. Yeah. Who did or that for like the Patriots, G- you know. Geno Grissom back in the yep. day. Yep. Same type of guy, yeah. right? And yeah. and Gino Grissom, I think, was a third round pick. So you know the was, fact you get him he was a, guy in the sixth and round, it's, is, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And Gino Grissom is he was Oklahoma, I think, right? And right. you know higher higher tier of athlete than I think Correct. we're talking yeah. about here with Jalex Hunt, but intriguing enough. Uh, yeah. And they always take a senior bull guy. I wasn't going to do this without having a senior bull guy. Oh, yeah. in there. I will wrap it up. I got um, Micah Abraham, the corner out of Marshall. Uh, this is I, I was looking at some of the defenders in this area, and he stood out to me because he's got a lot of pass deflections. He's got a lot of interceptions there. He played, I think, five seasons at Marshall, a starter for the last three. He's got 10 picks combined in the last two years, at least 10 passes deflected the last three years in every season. So, yeah, I love it. it yeah, he's like a, a press corner type of guy. Um, you know, you're, you're taking a, a chance here, and we've talked about the depth at corner, and if they bring back Alex Austin. And, Got a guy like this. You got Isaiah Bolden waiting in the wings, mm-hmm. just taking shots on a bunch of guys, and you're hoping, you know, you coach them up, and they can be guys you can put on the field um, at some point. Exactly. You know, yeah, and you they just, can be you want you. athletic guys that you can train, 
And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if that's the case and, you know, you can, you can train him up and again, he's not going to be starting necessarily, but no. you know, a guy that can rotate in every now and again, that, that can help you out with some size and speed. So, um, yeah. And it's, you, you know, know, you got a guy with ball skills too, that it's yeah, which is a good. very different type of player. But I think at JC Jackson, he made his way under the roster. Why? Because he was getting picks in camp. He was getting picks in preseason games. And, yep. um, if you can make those game-changing plays, even if you're hit or miss in coverage, you can help your team out. And, and that's that's a skill. That that's can. a skill that you know is hard to teach. Some guys just have that ability to see the field and understand what's happening. Go make a play. Like not everyone does, but some guys do. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's my mock, and you can see prioritizing offense. Drop Jacoby Brissett into that. You might have a. Uh, a top 20 offense there with some of the talent that you add and yeah. you, you see yeah. what it looks like from there. Right. And you kind of, you know, when you figure it out and look, are you going to be competing for a championship? No. But again, this, it comes back to the, to the question of what do you think is in the draft? Do you think that these guys are great in the draft? Because you can look at it and say, well, next year's quarterbacks aren't great either. Well, well, what does that mean? Okay. Next year's quarterbacks aren't great. So what? You know what? Going into the 2020 season, nobody thought Joe Burrow was great. Yeah. Right? But all of a sudden, I'm sorry, going into 2019 season, right? You're sitting in the 2019 draft. No one's sitting there saying, oh, my God, this guy Joe Burrow at LSU is going to be incredible. He's going to be the number one pick next year. Nobody thought that. And so you never know what's going to happen from one year to the next. Um, And so, you know, for me, if you don't love a guy, you don't take him just because you're afraid – that next year's quarterback crop isn't as good as you think it's going to be. You know, that doesn't, that's stupid. So you yeah. take a generational guy in Marvin Harrison Jr. And you, and you go and you go from there. So, and again, this may not happen, but if they feel that way, they cannot take a quarterback. You can't take a quarterback just to take a quarterback. Doesn't That would be yeah. a completely the wrong, the wrong thing to do. Yep. And I think the other thing here, you know, we asked about like the draft class, the draft class isn't the only way to get quarterbacks either. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Guys can hit free agency. Dak Prescott is the guy right now who has an expiring contract who could be interesting. And you look at the Lamar Jackson situation before this season where, in theory, a team could offer to try to get him. Well, if you're the Patriots, especially now knowing what we know about the offense, giving up what it would have cost to get Lamar Jackson is tough because the offense isn't very good. Well, if if this is your draft and the guys hit like you think they might, Yep. Well, you can afford to give up some extra draft packs, draft picks to go get a quarterback. And that's the same if you're Correct. trading up for one. Um, that it gives you options. And it also, if the offense is better around the quarterback, it's an easier, easier step into right. Right. what you're doing. Look at what the Chiefs did, right? Look at what the Chiefs did. The Chiefs built their offense. They brought in Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. And they traded up for Patrick Mahomes, right? Alex Smith was a was a Pro Bowl quarterback here. Now he was a former number one pick, but like that happens to those guys all the time where they fall out of favor and somewhere jabbing a Jared Goff, right? They fall out of favor and somewhere and then they go somewhere else and they, and they have a, a better experience there. It's, it's not impossible. It's not as likely, no. but it's not impossible. And again, if you don't love the guy at three, it's a mistake to take him just because he's a quarterback. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And that's not, that's also not usually how NFL teams operate. They usually, especially with quarterbacks, either like the guy or they don't. Uh, right. And I anticipate with Alex Van Pelt being the offensive coordinator that they're going to like Drake May and they're not going to like Jaden Daniels as a team fit with yeah. what they're going to want to do. Kind of feels uh, that you know, but yeah. they're, they're both good runners. 
Um, but I think you see may make more of the whole field reads. I, you know, here's the thing I will say with Jaden Daniels, he's very good at taking the deep shots and he's good with like play action and stuff. So uh, he's not necessarily the type of quarterback that Alex Van Pelt has been around before, but I can see the fit for yeah. what he would be in that yeah. type of offense where you can ask him to take a lot of deep shots off of play action and uh, max protect things like that. So we'll see the direction they go, but there's a lot of, a lot of ways this can go. And the other part, you know, where the Patriots and offense are crawling right now and you got to walk before, you know, we got you got to get up on your feet. You got to walk and then you can run. You're probably not going from crawling to running all in, in a one draft here. I the closest agree. I think we've seen recently is, the Jaguars and they got off to something faster than walking pace and then have just stayed there ever mm-hmm. since and have not been able to elevate above that. Yeah. And I'm not saying, you know, don't draft Trevor Lawrence because I would be very happy if the Patriots had Trevor Lawrence, but of course, yeah, you gotta, you gotta weigh the, the risks and rewards of all of this stuff very carefully. And, um, yeah, yeah I'm even not, if you, even if you think you get yeah. the guy, it doesn't guarantee you're going to be good. Nope. And I'm and I'm not opposed to, you know, you build the offense and drop a quarterback and who's good for now and you figure the rest out later. If right. the hypothetical where Dak Prescott becomes available, he's not my favorite quarterback of all time. And I don't know if you win the Super Bowl with him, but you're a lot better if you have him. Yeah. In this in this world, and you probably have him for what four seasons, something along right. those lines, and that's four seasons where you're competitive and you figure the rest of it out. Like, it allows you to, you know draft a quarterback in year three of his deal or whatever to sit for a yeah. season. If you, yep. you find you like somebody with them I and you can basically treat Dak Prescott, how the chiefs chiefs treated Alex Smith. If that's right. how you want to handle it. If you don't, it, yeah, and that's the thing, the guy comes in like that and you don't love him right away. Trade him for a quarterback the next year. Do what the, do what yeah. the, uh, what the, the Packers did and draft Jordan love in that situation. Jordan love looks like a stud right now. That, and yeah. People laughed at them when they made that pick, but they knew quarterback's important. We like Jordan Love a lot, and so we're going to go out and get him. And they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And it pissed a lot of people off. It pissed Rogers off, and it you know, and people didn't like it. But it was like that's the right thing to do. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, just it is what it is. So, yeah. So we'll see. And old man mob says the Cowboys treated Roma like that when Dak took over, which is true. So yeah, um, yeah. But, and it's you know you just. I see, and I, I'm not. I'm not opposed to taking a quarterback on day two or three. Usually, either just to say, "Hey, we're going to throw a pick at it." I'm yeah. just personally, I'm skeptical. Once you get at past the top six, I'm skeptical. Yeah, this particular class, Spencer Rattler is the only name in there that even yeah. somewhat interests me. And like, I don't know, who like would you rather have Spencer Rattler over a, an option for tackle or against or over Jaheim Bell? Like, well, I, don't, I don't know if he's that's, shown enough. That's the question, right? That's the question is, is, is he ever going to really play for you? Yeah. Whereas you can get a guy in a different position that could. So, you know, yeah. And obviously you know, there's potential a guy falls. If, if Bo Nix yeah. or Michael Panix is there in the third, that's something I'm going to. Th- Correct. I don't like Bo Nix and I'm worried about Michael Panix, but in, you tell me the middle of the third round, I can take a guy like Bo Nix who theoretically could be a, a you know, a solid player in the league. I don't think he's ever yeah. going to be a superstar, but he could be a decent player in the league. Like, what the heck, you know? Yeah. So, so. Yeah. a lot Anyways. of ways to go, but that's that's yep. the if they don't like the quarterbacks draft, feel free to right. throw a comment on the Pat's pulpit article for that. I one. love it. I love it. And again, yeah. you know, again, we just come back to it, right? It's 
you know, it's the situation where we're not, it's an exercise, right? Mm -hmm. We're not necessarily saying this is what they're going to do, mm -hmm. but if that's how they feel, this is one way they could approach it. So I like the I like the draft a lot. A lot of really good, interesting guys in there. And what we're trying to do too, the reason why we make it a seven round mock draft is because we're trying to hit some of those guys in the middle to late rounds that you haven't heard of yet, right? If you haven't heard of that guy, now we talk about him a little bit. We throw a clip on there of him, and you're like, "Ooh, that guy's interesting." And then all of a sudden, you're looking at that guy saying, "Oh, okay, all right, I got a little bit more knowledge about that guy that I didn't know about before." So. Um, those are the exact type of guys that we're looking at because mm -hmm. those are guys that can make an impact later on down the line. And look, maybe they don't do anything. There's a possibility those guys don't do, don't do a thing, right? <laughs> but, you know, we want to we'll broaden your high horizons a little bit more. We don't want to just talk about the top 100 guys because we can do that all day. But, like, what what's the point of that, right? So um, we'll, we'll get into some of those late round guys because, you know, they're fun. And, again, those guys sometimes make an impact. Mm -hmm. So... Anyways, I think that's it. That's all we got for the show tonight, right? Um, unless there's, unless so. there's some final things you want to get out of the Super Bowl, but I think that's it. Um, it's time for the uh, time for the off season. That's right. That's right. How many, how many days until training camp starts? Oh God, too many. I don't know. I might need to get a clock to put in my background here. Just the number, the countdown until you know the opener, of the first day of training camp, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm not ready to run my uh, conditioning test, so I gotta. <laughs> I got to get going on that. You can so, train a little bit. And I got to. I'm going to have to. So, anyways, that does it for us today. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. As always, the chat flying. We appreciate it. Um, and as Thad points out, four weeks until free agency. Oh, baby. So, that'll be fun. Can't wait. Um, I'm very excited about that. And, of course, before that will be, you know, um, even before that will be re-signing. And so, that's that part of it is interesting as well. And so, we've got the combine coming up. Um, soon, and then we'll go from there. So yeah. we're gonna be back Thursday night talking about a few other things as well. Um, and yeah, so we appreciate it. Uh, congrats to the Chiefs and Chiefs fans. Still not as good as as Brady, but Mahomes is damn good. And enjoy. All I can say to the Chiefs fans is like enjoy every second because it will end one day. And we said this yeah. to Patriots fans. We didn't believe it would end, but it did. And Chiefs fans, I can tell you, it's going to end one day. Could be 10 years from now. Could be 15 years from now. Could be 20 years from now, like it was for the Patriots. But it will end one day. And when it does, you come crashing back down to earth, and it's tough. But it's yeah, humbling. we're still here. It, it sure is. It sure is. So I'm like, I remember I remember when teams used to just completely turtle when we played them. When teams would just fall apart for no reason just because they're playing us. Um, I miss those days. But, you know, yeah. that's the way it goes. So anyways, thanks guys. We appreciate it. Love you guys. And we'll, uh, we'll see you on Thursday night.